Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elson, kicking things off for us tonight. Public Enemy, produced by DJ Premier. That's State of the Union, STFU. And uh, it's 
clean edit, but I'll leave it to you to guess what the STFU stands for. Uh, anyway, we've got a busy show for you tonight. We've got some new music, and then uh, coming up in uh, a couple tracks, we're going to be talking to Derek Gardner. Uh, he's a member of the Desilte Faculty of Music and uh, leader of the Big Dig Band. And uh, under that imprint, he's got a, a new record coming out called Still I Rise and playing a show at the WAG next Thursday night. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, first, a pair of new local acts, Silver Clouds, their self-titled record due out, and we're going to hear a track called Paths of Least Resistance, and then uh, Bull Rider, Bobby DeJarle's latest act, uh, with a track called Dying that I just got from my friend Eric Alper at E1 this week. So here they are. This is uh, Silver Clouds and Bull Rider.
there's nothing wrong with the world today How could you just stare at me and lie that way And I don't mind that you feel fine That don't mean the world feels the same music is back july 2nd at the wag Derek gardner and the big dig band and uh, i guess this is kind of the debut of the record still i rise Derek, how's it going it's going absolutely wonderful and, and thank you for having me on your show my pleasure and, uh yeah we are um uh this is uh like a um, kind of a pre uh, uh concert i guess uh for the release of uh, the uh, new CD that we have coming out called uh, Still I Rise uh, from the uh, Big Dig Band. And uh, the CD will be officially released on uh, July 10th. So, uh, I mean, obviously it's been, it's been a hot minute since anyone can play live. Leading up to this then, like, what, is, what does a rehearsal look like for, for you and the band right now? Uh, it's going to be um, in a large room, six feet apart, <laughs> you know, and that's not, that's, that's not really um, too, uh, too far from what we already do as a, in a small group. Uh, we might normally be about maybe, maybe about the, the two horn players might be about four or five feet apart, you know, uh, maybe even six feet apart. And the rhythm section players are, about maybe the same distance apart as well. So now we think we'll just make sure that uh, that we are 
even further apart. So uh, one other question I have about kind of performing live in the age of COVID, uh, spit valves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Like this, this is something, you know, I played horn when I was in junior high and in high school. And it's like, you, you just turn to the side and let it go, right? And now, yeah. like, do you have to, like, come up with some sort of thing that catches it or something? Like, how do you, how do, you do that? I never even thought of that. You know, oh, uh, sorry, sorry to raise something. It's just like a for for a brass player. It's just like it's like breathing. You yeah. Know, we, when you get the the collection of the of the spit and the and the thing, just you know, let it out. It drain the valve. But um, I just make I'll just make sure that I'm a you know when I do that I'm away from everybody. You know, and make like sure turn your head and cough kind of style. Yeah, right, right. And then um, I suppose you know, hopefully it's not a windy day. Mm. Out there because we'll be on the rooftop, you know. So uh, I'm hoping right. that the wind will uh, will will be very uh, uh, kind to us. Now the the record, like you said, coming out uh, July 10th. Uh, it's called "Still I Rise." Uh, first of all, title taken from a Toni Morrison line. And yeah, from uh, actually from um, um, uh, Maya Angelou. I'm oh, sorry, Maya Angelou. Yeah, yeah. Um, curious about kind of the decision to the name it the what you did and and just like the significance of kind of the like getting back up yeah um well uh when i originally wrote the tune uh, i wrote it and uh just as a musical response to the passing of maya angelo in 2014 and um one of my absolute favorite uh poets and that poem in particular uh, has always been like uh, always represented like like you said, just um, getting getting back up and moving forward and um, and persevering. And as uh, as African Americans, uh, that's what we've had to do um, all of our existence uh, since the times of slavery. And um, so that poem just really. Uh, really uh, struck a chord with me uh, first time I heard it. Uh, and when she passed away, uh, this melody just popped in my head, you know, that's as if she kind of, you know, laid her hands down on me and said, write this. I said, oh, yes, yes, Miss Angelo, I will, <laughs> you know, and I, and I developed it. And um, uh, it, uh, I've always, uh, I've always looked at my music as uh as serving some type of a, of a, having some type of a activism type of a uh, purpose. And um, uh, although all of my music is not uh, necessarily follow that vein, but I always, I always keep, I always keep activism uh, on one of the burners on my stove, you know, and uh, this uh, seemed like a, a wonderful tribute uh, to her and to that poem and to, and to what it means. And uh, and that's also the case for one of the other tunes on, on my uh, uh, CD called uh, Melody for Trayvon, which is dedicated to uh, uh, Trayvon Martin. Yeah, I was going to say, that, I mean, that's front and center right there as well. Um, in terms of writing those kind of pieces, is it like, is, do you have an image in your mind of like the person or the incident or things like that? Or is it like, are you writing from a place of feeling as like a repercussion of those, what, what happened with Trayvon? It was definitely with, uh, with Melody for Trayvon. It was, uh, from a place of, from a place of feeling and from, 
um, uh, from uh, just putting myself in uh, Trayvon Martin's shoes uh, at the time of of his murder and what he went through and and uh, what I went through in my life uh, and you know definitely being able to uh, to relate to uh, uh, to the to Trayvon Martin and to that incident um, as a as an African American, and um, so it was, you know, that melody was was actually very very easy to write, just because I didn't have to reach that far because I you know essentially um, um, I'm in the you know when I go down to the states you know I'm in the same boat as uh, as Trayvon Martin, as uh, Eric Garner, as Tamir Rice, as uh, Abner Louima, as, as, as you know, just so many names uh, that that have made that list. I, I could very easily be on be on that list, uh, you know, when uh, when being there in the in the United States. Right. So then, when you're performing a piece that you've written based on something like the murder of Trayvon Martin, then is it like emotionally complex for you to like revisit that song and, and go there on, on a regular basis? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, uh, that, uh, that song, uh, brings about, um, like, a uh, a, a feeling of, uh, of, of justice, a feeling of, uh, of, of um you know some uh, very uh uh sad feelings for his for his family uh and very uh uh emotional and sad feelings for uh, for african americans in general or people of any any people who are undergoing um uh any type of injustices you know it 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 it, it has a I think that the the tune, if you look, you if you look past Trayvon Martin, it has a very wide scope, you know, and uh, so no, it's not it's not hard to it's not hard to perform at all, um, and uh, you know uh, it it and and you know you might sometimes you know when you when you're performing spontaneously you can kind of you can kind of fall into a into a uh, into a state of mind where you know your emotions can kind of kind of well up, and that can just and that can really transfer into your instrument musically, and just bring so much more to that uh, to that performance. And so it's very easy. I would imagine with this song, it's very easy uh, for me to be able to do that. Right now, you mentioned family. Uh, you have a track for your father on on the record, uh, Burgess yes. uh, Blues Ella yes. Burgess. Um, Curious about kind of, I mean, you, you, in, in the liner notes that I read that Charlene Deal wrote, talks about the fact that your father could infuse the blues into anything as a yeah. musician. Um, yeah. So I, ha- I have to imagine it was going to be a blues if you're going to do something for your father. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so then crafting a, a tribute to him uh, like this, what, what, what's the process for you to, you know, write what you feel is a, an appropriate tribute or something that, you know, represents your father well um i kind of got the idea from uh the 
the com the compositional technique I got from uh, songs like uh, uh, a, a, a tune that John Coltrane wrote called "Like Sunny," and he took uh, he and uh, Sonny Rollins were um, were contemporaries and were at the height of their game, you know, back in the uh, back in the nineteen fifties and sixties, and uh, Sonny Rollins played a figure, an improvisational figure, on one of his solos that that a, that John Coltrane was was uh, caught caught John Coltrane's attention, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to write a song based off of that little that little uh, melodic idea that he did," and and so I used that technique with my with my dad's tune um, uh, many years ago. Um, he recorded. Uh, uh, a record with um, he was out in um, teaching out in, in uh, California at Cal California State University at Fullerton, and um, and he recorded this every year. The the jazz ensemble would record, and uh, they recorded this this blues. I forget the name of the blues at the moment, uh, but he took a solo on that piece, and his solo just just knocked me out. And as as all of his solos would, you know, and but there was this one melodic idea that he did in that solo that just really just stuck with me, just branded itself on me, and and I play that that phrase all the time, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna take that little idea and I'm gonna write a, I'm, gonna, I'm I'm gonna write a blues around that idea, and um and that's where it, that's where it came from, and it and I also in, incorporated other elements of my father's. Um, improvisational concept as well into that into that tune and so uh so yeah that, that was the the main uh idea or, or ideology from about writing that tune so this is kind of like the way kids pick up on like idiomatics of their their parents speech right like that they yeah of kind of like oh oh yeah you, you talk like i always talk around you kind of thing <laughs> yeah right <laughs> fair enough uh gotta ask about like band dynamics when you're talking about a big band because a lot of times i mean a lot of jazz outfits, it's, it's a tight, small combo, right? Like trio, quartet. Yeah. Not a lot of voices in, in the group. It's, it's, I think of it as like kind of almost like a special forces team, right? Like, like they're just like get in and out and they know their job or whatever. Whereas it feels like, like maybe a big band might be like a battalion or something like all, right, these, right. all these voices. What's like being a band leader for a big band like, and do you approach it in any way differently psychologically? from you know work with a trio or a quartet oh yeah yeah um the big band in jazz is our our symphonic orchestra um as opposed to um like a, a quartet or quintet in jazz is uh is is chamber music and it's it's much a, a smaller group is much is much looser and the improvisational element is, is takes more control. You have more, more, much more room to improvise in a big band, in a small group than in a big band. And um, but with uh, the big dig band, um, we always try to impose uh, that small group element into that into that that big band setting, uh, surrounded by. Um, a heavy uh, weighted orchestration at times, and uh, you know, going from one extreme to the other, like big, huge 
heavy orchestration uh, down to just a small group, you know, and maybe supported by a couple of, couple of horn players underneath the soloist or something. Um, and, but you need somebody to conduct that and to make sure to bring it all together. And that was, that was uh, definitely my role uh, on this, on this recording. Uh, I had to, I had to, you know, direct all the, all the signals and all the, you know, turn left, turn right, you know, uh, in order for, in order to bring everything in line. And uh, we came up with a, with a really, really good recording that has great spontaneity uh, infused in it, the same type of spontaneity uh, that uh, you get in a, in a small group. And I got that idea from listening to the great uh, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis uh, uh, Jazz Orchestra, uh, where that was their concept to, bring, to implement these small group elements into the big band setting. Yeah, a lot of your players have experience in orchestras and, and other like larger larger groups. Um, <clears throat> one, I, I noticed one of the credits. Uh, one of the guys worked with Gerald Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Player. And there's definitely like kind of like that swinging California vibe to a couple of the tracks. And I, I, I wondered if that was like somehow like seeping in from something like a Gerald Wilson or or like he might have seeped that in, you know, in 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 some way, shape, or form, because he's he's the uh, he was the, he's the lead trumpet player of the group. His name is Bijan Watson, and uh, when you when you're playing lead trumpet, everybody in the band, when it's all that there are thirteen uh, horns, uh, saxophones, trumpets, and trombones in a big band, and when all thirteen horns are playing at the same time and playing the same rhythmic figures. Um, the lead trumpet is on top of the harmony. So then that lead trumpet is responsible for the phrasing, the dynamics, the articulation, um, uh, uh, every, everything, you know, every, and because he's on top of the harmony, everybody's got to listen, listen to, to him or her, whoever's playing, playing the lead. And he might've brought like a little bit of that West coast, uh, Gerald Wilson thing with him. He also plays with the uh, Clayton Hamilton big man as well. And uh, so he might have brought, uh, he, he probably did bring some of that to uh, the Big Dig band as well. Yeah, I imagine the trumpet, it's like, if if the whole band is like a dog walker, the trumpet is that dog straining at that leash going like, let's go over here. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Definitely get that vibe. Uh, Derek, before I let you go, I want to get you to pick a track off the record that we can play for listeners. Uh, if you have a reason why you're picking it or an anecdote about the track, I'd love to hear that. Um. Uh, I would say, um, uh, maybe, um, uh, heavens to Murgatroyd and, uh, in light of the, in light of what we were just talking about with this, uh, uh, more small group, uh, kind of loose element, uh, of all the tunes on that, on, on that record, I think that one really brings, brings, a, brings that to the surface. Uh, it's, uh, it employs like a lot of of even goes into some some avant-garde kind of uh improvisational concepts in there and um uh interspersed with that that uh that uh orchestration you know so i think heavens to murgatroyd would uh would lend itself to that and it's it's kind of a humorous type of a tune uh because it uh harkens back to my love for 1950s and 60s uh animated cartoons of 
of Warner Brothers and Hanna Barbera and you know all those uh, great uh, Jetsons and Flintstones and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the album closer. Is there a reason you picked that as kind of like the the coda to the to the record? Yeah, it's um, it's it's so much of a, uh, you know, like the uh, like uh, the uh, Canada Day celebration uh, where they have the big uh, fireworks display, you know, and you know it's it, the fireworks display is a show, and they don't give it all to you at one time. You know, they have like these these you know like uh, orchestrated kind of things happening up in the sky, and all of a sudden the big closers is big huge kabang you know is you know a big blitz of of these fireworks and so that's definitely um heavens to murgatroyd so this is like that like pa 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 and then everyone just kind of walks away feeling it in their chest yeah 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 right on well, we'll give that one a listen uh july 2nd at the wag on the rooftop uh derek thanks very much for taking some time and, and talking about the record no problem thank you very much heavens to
be happy. Keep working today. That smile will come one day. Don't worry. You're gonna be happy. Keep fighting today. That smile will come one day. Nothing's come for free. When you get it free, you will lose it freely. So you better know. Work hard is the best way. Muffins come for free when you get it free, you lose it freely. So you better know, work hard is the best way. Let your hope come from fight and go through your darkness, you will find your light. Don't worry, you gotta be happy.
French 
language record Entre Nous. That was Jill Barber with uh, No Retrouvé. And uh, before that, we had Widow Speak with a new single called Money. We had Songway Blues with a new track called Worry. And uh, that set started off with Derek Gardner's selection from Still I Rise. That was Heavens to Murgatroyd. I'm going to close things out with one last track before we hand it over to After 8 Radio. This is a new single from Washed Out called Too Late. And uh, it's not too late to give this one a listen before we uh, hand things over. Enjoy, and we'll be back here next Friday on 101.5 UMFM. Thank you. 